Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us for the Wednesday broadcast. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking to you on the subject, Are You Spiritually Mature? Right? Do you want to grow up? Do you remember that Toys R Us commercial? I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Well, I've discovered there's a lot of people that don't want to grow up. Uh, They are growing older, but they're not growing up. So before we go too far, let me tell you a really bad joke, okay? Uh, Somebody said this. Well, when does a joke turn into a dad joke? And the response is, when it becomes a parent. All right, that's really bad. I I know that's really bad. So uh, I want to lower the expectations for you today as we talk about growing up. You know, the Bible says that we are to grow in wisdom. We're to be growing up to be more like Christ. You know, life is really, really short. Uh, It amazes me how brief life is. I got thinking about, well, what causes death in our lives? Uh, What kills most people? Did you know that mosquitoes kill more people in one day than sharks have killed over the last hundred years? That's right, because these mosquitoes, especially in some of the other countries in the world, they carry disease and they bring malaria and other diseases. And so when you think about death from 1916 to 2016, there are only 1,035 deaths due to sharks. And then in one day in 2016, there was 1,470 deaths due to infections and and diseases that were delivered through mosquitoes. So mosquitoes are very dangerous because of what they carry. But you know what? Life is brief. Every single day, 332,000 plus or minus people die. Every single day. That's in the time that it takes to record this broadcast, over 7,000 people will die. In the next 60 seconds, over 230 people will die. Unbelievable when you think about it. Life is brief. You only have a short amount of time to mature. Think about what takes us out of this world. Uh, Heart disease is the number one killer, responsible for over 600,000 deaths in the United States every single year. About 23% of the people that die this year will die of heart failure. The number two killer is cancer. Cancer is responsible for over a half a million deaths every year, accounting for about 22% of all deaths in the United States. Number three, chronic respiratory disease. That's going to take out about 150,000 people this year. Accidents is the number four cause of death. Over 130,000 people this year will die because of some kind of an accident. That equates to 5% of all deaths. Number five, the fifth killer in the United States is a stroke. That equates for just over 4% of all deaths in the United States. Over 100,000 people will die this year of a stroke. Alzheimer's is the number six killer in the United States. Alzheimer is responsible for over 90,000 deaths every year. Diabetes. Diabetes was, is the number seven killer in the United States. Over 70,000 people will die 
this year because of diabetes, influenza, and pneumonia. Uh, Did you know that that equates about 2% of all deaths that occur every single year? Not just with COVID. It took a spike because of COVID. But every year, about 55,000 adults or children will die from influenza or pneumonia. And number nine, kidney disease. Kidney disease will take the life of over 40,000 people this year. And then last, number 10, this is going up in the scale, but uh, when this was uh, this stat was given a few years ago, suicide was number 10. I, I think it's higher in the list today, but every year, over 45,000 people in the United States of America take their own life. So we're only here for a very short time. Even if none of those top 10 killers take you out, you're not going to probably live much past 100 years old. It's so short of a time that we are here, but we can spend our decades being stuck in immaturity. So I want to encourage you today by saying it's time to grow up. It's time for us to spiritually mature. James says, James 1 verses 2 to 4, You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Don't you love how James puts that? James says, God puts his pressure on us so that we will finish his work that leads us to becoming mature and complete, lacking nothing. I love what Hebrews 6.1 says. It says, let's go on to maturity, right? Let's grow in our faith. Uh, Let's become stronger in our faith. Let's become more mature in our faith. Well, I want to give you some myths about what spiritual maturity is. Some people wrongly think that the older I get, the more mature I get. I'm mature because of my age. Uh, Well, that could be the case, but it might not be the case. As a matter of fact, Paul says, you know, in this time of your life, Hebrews 5, 12, and he's writing to Hebrew believers, he says, you know, some of you listening to me, you really ought to be teaching, but instead, you need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Now, you need milk, not solid food. You know, one of the most difficult things I have as a pastor is finding people that are willing to lead and teach small groups. And everybody wants to be part of a small group, uh, but nobody seems to want to be mature enough to teach others God's Word. You see, spiritual maturity is achieved by becoming more like Jesus Christ. After salvation, every Christian begins a process of spiritual growth, and the intent is that we become mature. Now, according to the Apostle Paul, this is an ongoing process that never ends in this life. Paul in the book of Philippians, and he's talking about the knowledge of Christ, and he tells his readers that he himself has not already obtained all this or having been made perfect, but he says, I'm pressing on so that I can take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. But he says, now, brothers, I don't consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, 
but this is what I do. I forget the things that are behind me. I, I strain for what is ahead. I press on to the goal, to the prize for which God has called me heavenly word in Christ Jesus. So Paul says you never completely arrive, right? But you should be making progress. So we press on continuously to get a deeper knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. So Christian maturity, it requires some radical reordering of our priorities. We go from pleasing ourselves to pleasing God, learning to obey God. So I guess you could say the key to maturity is consistency. You know, that perseverance and doing the things that that we know bring us closer to God. And now these practices, we could call them spiritual disciplines. They include things like Bible reading, study, prayer, fellowship, service, stewardship. Uh, But no matter how hard we work on these things, the Holy Spirit is what leads us to become mature. Galatians 5, 6 tells us that we're to walk by the Spirit And the Greek word there for walk actually means to walk with a purpose in view. I'm not just taking a stroll, right? I'm walking with a destiny in mind. You know, I tell people all the time, when I'm I'm in the prison, I'm going from one building to another. I'm not out there for a stroll. I'm on a mission. As Christians, we walk by the Spirit. That could be translated that we're taking steps by steps, one step at a time. We're becoming more like Christ. As we're being filled with the Spirit, we're under the Spirit's control, we're submitting to the Spirit's control, and we see an increase, an increase of the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. So this is the characteristic of spiritual maturity. When we become Christians, we are given all we need to grow. Peter tells us that God's divine power has granted to us all the things that pertain to life, to godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So spiritual maturity is much like physical maturity. When your baby is born, he has all that he needs, or she has all that she needs, okay? So they don't say, okay, you're going to be born this year, and then next year you're going to get a right foot, and maybe two years you get a left foot, and maybe in year five you're going to get a right arm, and year 10 you get the left arm. No, no, you come complete, right? (laughs) Everything is there. Now, things grow, uh, things mature. The same is true spiritually. So, Peter reminds us that God is the resource that brings that growth in us. It's by the grace of God that we grow, but Peter tells us that we must make every effort to supplement our faith. And this passage is 2 Peter 1. He says you must supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. And he says if you have these qualities and they're increasing, you're increasing in the effective knowledge of God. You're not going to be unfruitful. You are producing something. So do you get the progression here? That as we get more faith growing, we develop virtue. 
that we have more knowledge. Now, that knowledge by itself can either cause us to be puffed up or it causes us to be more self-controlled. Isn't it amazing when you think about self-control? You can have all the facts in the world, but if they're not helping you be more self-controlled or spirit-controlled, they're of no use to you. Self-controlled, steadfast, godliness. So that doesn't just happen because you get older. Number two, some people wrongly think, this would be the second myth, that I'm mature because of how I look, right? I look like a mature person, so I must be mature. I love how the Lord, when he was looking for the next king to take over Israel, uh, he's getting ready to um, anoint David. And the Lord says to Samuel, now, when you're going to go find the next king of Israel, don't consider the appearance of the person. Don't consider his height, because the most tallest one and the, and the best-looking one, I've rejected that one. Because the Lord doesn't look at things like man looks at things. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, okay? So you can look mature and be very immature. It has really nothing to do with our appearance. Uh, Number three, here's a third myth. Some people think, well, I must be mature because look what I've accomplished. All of these achievements must indicate that I got it together. I'm mature. But we learn from Colossians 3 that that we have a, a new nature that causes us to be mature, a nature that is renewed as you learn to know your creator, and you become like him. You know, Satan accomplishes a whole lot, but I wouldn't call him spiritually mature. Just because you accomplish a lot and achieve a lot doesn't necessarily mean that you're mature spiritually. Spiritual maturity is becoming like Christ. Well, some people say, well, I I think I'm mature because I've got a lot of knowledge and I've got a lot of academics, right? I've got all these degrees. I, I, I must be mature. Well, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 2, oh, we know that the all possess knowledge. We all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs us up. But it just says love does something else. Love builds up. And so the man who thinks that he has something, yet does not know as he ought to know, is really not mature. As a matter of fact, the most dangerous Christian that I know are those who arrogantly believe that their own beliefs are ultimately right. They believe they're right without exception. You see, at one point, I think we all battle spiritual pride. It's a religious spirit, right? It's a spirit of blindness that can be set in motion. But when we truly are mature, it's not based upon academics or knowledge or achievement or appearance or age. It's based upon we are more like Christ. So maturity is determined by my attitude and my actions. Am I living like Christ? Well, let's look at Philippians chapter 2. I think this will really help to spread some light on this subject of what it means to be spiritually mature. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Let this mind 
be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, in other words, he was 100% God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't deny he was equal with God. He wasn't stealing from God, claiming to be God when he wasn't God because he was God. Verse 7 says, but made himself of no reputation. In other words, he didn't care what other people thought. He took on the form of a bondservant and became in the likeness of men. Verse number 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So here we have a list here of what Christ did, his attitude, his actions. He didn't deny who he was, and he took on the form of a man. He was 100% God, 100% man. Thomas Jefferson said that honesty is the first chapter of the Book of Wisdom. So let's be really honest. Let's look at our character today and say, do we have the attitude and the actions of Christ. D.L. Moody said, character is what you are in the dark, okay? When nobody else knows what you're doing, what you're doing, your attitude and your actions, when nobody knows what you're doing, is the real you. So let's grow up. Let's discover how we can actually grow up. So we're going to start this list today, and I hope that you join me tomorrow for part two. I say we grow up by being positive under pressure. So here's the question. What is your natural attitude, your natural bent when things don't go right? Do you get irritated? Are you negative or are you positive? Are you basically a supportive person or are you basically a skeptical person? You see, in your life, are you going to be filled with things going good and things going bad. If your life is filled with gratitude, it's a sign of maturity. If it's filled with grumbling, it's a sign of immaturity. Are you affirmative or are you angry most of the time? Look what James tells us. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy. Okay, when do I consider it pure joy? Whenever you face trials of many kinds. So James is talking about people who are are mature. They look at trials much different than the immature. The immature said, man, I can't believe I'm going through this. I'm losing my joy because things are not going well. James says, we consider it pure joy because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. James is reminding us that when we're positive under pressure, it means we see something beyond the pressure cooker. 
We see beyond the trial, and we see the process and the purpose, and that God is allowing us to go through this time to make us more like Him, to grow us up. I mean, after all, if I never had a problem, how would I know that He could solve them? James reminds us here that we are lacking nothing when we learn to consider it pure joy when we go under trials. Verse number 12 of that same chapter, James says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under the trial, who stands up under the pressure, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It's a promise that is given. Don't you love this promise? A crown of life given to those who persevere under trial. So we grow up by, number one, being positive under pressure. Number two, we grow up by being sensitive to others. A sign of maturity is that you are no longer only looking for your own needs to be met, but you are sensitive to others. James 2, 8 says, If you really keep the royal law found in scriptures, you will love your neighbor as you love yourself. You are doing right. James reminds us that as ones who are growing up, positive under the presser, sensitive to others, it means that we have no favorites and we're no fakes, okay? Look what he says in in kind of a summary of James chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. He says, My brothers, as believers of the glory of Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. And then he gives us this wonderful illustration of what he's talking about. He says, suppose you gather together for a worship service. And as you're gathered together for a worship service, somebody comes into your assembly, and this guy has got a gold ring, and he's got fine clothes on. I mean, he is dressed to the hilt. But then there's another guy that comes in, and uh, he's obviously a poor man. He has got shabby clothes, and he comes in, and, and James says... If you show special attention to that man wearing fine clothes and you say, well, hey, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, uh, well, we're kind of full today at worship. You got to stand over there or you got to sit on the floor. Have you not discriminated among yourselves? Uh, haven't you become judges with evil thoughts? James says, well, listen, listen up, brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world? to be rich in faith, to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. It's not the rich that are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Uh, James is saying, uh, it's the rich people that are dragging you into court. So maturity involves no favorites. Maturity involves not being fake. And James says, suppose you claim to have faith, but you have no deeds. There's no deeds to back up that faith. Can such a faith save you? He says, suppose a brother or sister comes and and they don't have any clothes, they don't have any daily food, and and you say to them, well, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well-fed, but if you don't do anything about it, what good is that? You see, growing involves staying positive under pressure, being sensitive to others. James talks about the three different types of faith. 
we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So join me in part number two as we look at how do we grow spiritually? How do we mature spiritually? Thank you for joining me today for this broadcast. So Lord, I pray for every person listening today. I pray that you fill them with your spirit. I pray that they will grow in love with you. I pray that it will grow in their faith, that they be stronger and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, my friend, can I pray for you? Shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. And my promise to you is I will pray for you. I will pray fervently, asking God to work mightily in your life. No prayer request is too small. No prayer request is too big. Our God is concerned about anything that concerns us. So let's be united in praying for one another. And yes, would you pray for me? Pray that God will give us the strength that we need, the help that we need, the resources that we need to keep getting this broadcast out so that others can grow in their faith. Well, I so appreciate you tuning in today. If you'd like to come worship with us this Sunday, we would love to see you at Hickory Ridge Community Church, 9 o'clock or 1045. Well, God bless you. Be safe as you're driving home. I'll talk to you real soon. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.